Hey y'all, welcome to the Chloe and Ellie show. Chloe and Ellie show. Boom, boom, boom. Chloe and Ellie show. Today's bell ringer, ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling, <coughs> Chloe. Yes, Al. Did you know that 12.5 million Africans were shipped to the New World during the trans-Atlantic slave trade? I did not know the exact number, but that is wild. Okay, now, that being said, how many of the 12.5 million do you think came to the United States? Girl, not very many. Not very many. Most of them ended up in the islands. Okay, so give a number. Like, just guess. Maybe a mil? Milli? A milli? Not even. Fewer than 388,000 arrived in the United States of America. That's wild. I chose this bell ringer today because as two black women, as a black woman myself, I just truly feel like black people are everywhere, and we are truly, like, a superior like just force to be reckoned with and if we could just get it all together we could really be great 12.5 million slaves made it to the new world so the islands the bahamas jamaica dominican republic the new world also includes latin america and south america so there are black people in colombia there are black people in ecuador everywhere there's black people everywhere brazil the brasileiros like they had a their slavery was happening i'm sorry their african trade over was happening a lot longer than the united states was because united states they had those laws so they cut it off so then they just started breeding in slaves Mm -hmm. which is why there's so many there's kind of like there aren't as many close african roots to slavery in the united states of america Mm -hmm. like now we have people who are nigerian Ghanaian, egyptian whatever but their traditions are very separate from sometimes like traditional african-american experiences and even those traditional african-american experiences quote-unquote are different based on like where you come from like new orleans is completely different than like miami which is different from chicago so there's like so many different variations and if anything i feel like our uniqueness in being like similar but different yeah the diaspora i just feel like it's such a beautiful thing all the time and like even you know growing up and and people you know you hear the comments about like me being light-skinned and this this and that but for me I've always felt well I'm not even I've always felt but I've always felt very 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 black because my parents (laughs) raised me to be very very black so I like love black people I love black culture and black culture all over the world but the unifying factor is like we're black we are black who speak spanish black who speak english black who speak creole and yeah but in parts of america it can seem like an isolated experience yeah because it's like you see people that look like us but don't claim to be like us because 
because they of, don't want the negative stigma that comes along with that. But who brought that negative stigma? That's why we have to like take it back. Like people were always trying to figure out like how can we fix issues between us right now. If we can have people realize that a lot of this stuff, a lot of this like you live on 13th, I live on 15th, I'm not fucking with you is really coming from like separations that happened during slavery. Absolutely. And like it's all I don't want to say it's all the white man, but damn near I mean, it, it may yeah. not be it may it may not be the white man sitting next to you. It may not be his uncle. He may not have any probably his granddaddy. But look, and even if it wasn't his granddaddy, it's somebody who was through that same lineage. Somebody who looks similar to you did some things that were not so good to people who look similarly to me. And therefore, we can't let the, that person keep us from from unifying. Yeah. From being together. I like, mean, it's like this idea that we're so far removed from, like, slavery, segregation, racism, and it's like, but we're not. But we're not. We're, like, super not. And it's like, I, I read, um, I think it was, like, a tweet or something. So basically it was, like, showed a picture of Ruby Bridges, and it's like, this picture is in black and white to make it look older than what it is. Right. This is 50 years ago. Exactly. This is a this picture was in color. They put it in black and white to make it look seem like it happened oh so long ago. It's in your textbook in black and white to make it seem like it happened. But this picture was actually shot in color. In color. I have a Ruby Bridges uh, painting in my house. I feel like that's like a staple. Not every black home has it, but no matter where I go in different places, I meet someone whose home has the same painting. Mm-hmm. We all, why do we all have the same, like, pictures? Right. Look, I was in, this is, like, crazy to say, but I was in a funeral home, and I noticed that they had the same, have you seen the black man and the black woman, like, tugging on the American flag, that painting? It sounds familiar. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, I thought that those people were my parents. I thought that that was my mom and dad. I'm telling you. That somebody had, like, painted I'm telling you, Chloe, it's crazy, because, like, people... People really like. I get into it, people, and they're like, "Oh, they're always trying to." You're light skin. You're like, you couldn't tell me when I was a kid growing up that I didn't look just like that little chocolate girl in the painting in the bathroom. Because I that's am sitting, the little chocolate girl. That's what I'm saying. That's sitting in the in the sink with the little cup washing. You couldn't tell me that no. that wasn't me. Yeah. There was, was no difference I am a between. Brown baby. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm. A, uh, that's me. My mommy <laughs> made that for me. Like my sister, there was like paintings we had with me and my sister. Both of those were chocolate. My first baby was a Cabbage Patch doll, and let me tell you, chocolate tear. But you couldn't tell me that baby wasn't my baby. Yeah. You couldn't tell me. So I just, (laughs) you know, if people could really just, and 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 I think that now is the time to do it, like going into our current events and just to recognize like what's happening in the world with this Black Lives Matter movement, and people are trying to figure out like what's the next step and like what's gonna be. You know, like we people are outside, they're looting, they're rioting, they're you know, they're protesting, but like what's next? Mm-hmm. And like I feel like there aren't people like we think about the civil rights movement part one and yeah. like we think about part one. Part part one of n- not even part one, because the civil rights movement was to get the civil war to get black yeah. people out of enslavement, then there was a civil rights movement to get them some rights, and then there was Jim Crow, and then there was a civil rights movement. So 
the most, the one that most of us know, the civil rights movement, we have Martin Luther King, but then we also talk about other people. And I remember when I was teaching black history, I was really learning names like A. Philip Randolph. Mm -hmm. And like, you're really going into like, okay, Huey Newton, okay, I get it. But like, really understanding the people within it. And then like Fred Hammond of Chicago, Mm -hmm. there's so many different people, but they had like a universal, like a like a general like we're in this together we may yeah. go about it differently but we're in it together and i feel I think like people feel like we don't have that right now and it's such don't. an interesting thought well and i i we don't you're absolutely right and i think about why and i was kind of talking to my dad about it and he's like and we weren't even really necessarily talking about it but this is like perfect segue because we definitely want to touch on the brianna taylor yeah. uh, decision but my dad, like, around the protest time, you know, I'm a photographer, so I was down at a lot of the protests doing protest photography, and uh, my dad, I would come home, and my dad would ask me about it and stuff like that, and he says it affects, like, that's a, a young people's movement. He's like, we had our time, we were out there, we were out in the streets, and that reminded me that Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, those were 20-year-olds. They were in their 20s and early 30s when they were doing these things they were not 40 50 they were not our parents age so what we are kind of what our generation is kind of failing to realize is that it's our turn to do the work and so it's the millennials turn we are we should be the leaders of this particular movement right now and i see some of us trying yeah but it's super hard i think with and you know it's this interesting thing about the internet. It's like, it's connected us and it's also disconnected us. It's connected us so much that we can see so many things happening around the world. And that's how we are able, that's why there are people in France protesting the Breonna Taylor decision. That's why there are people in, you know, Sweden and all over the world just pr- protesting these decisions and these, these things that are happening to black people. Yeah. Because- but the internet also has disconnected us and that we don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Because now everybody has to prove themselves because so many people have gone on the internet, said so many things that are false, and done so many things that are wrong. And it's like, now it's like, it's hard to build one person up because somebody's going to come through and find a flaw, right? Somebody's going to push through and find a flaw. It's like, how we feel, like, you know, we love well, Ashley, right? We think Ashley's great. We think the content that she gives about politics and stuff like that for a young black girl in Chicago is amazing content, right? She's now being bashed online by people who are in opposition to the things that she's saying. Even, um, like, she was even bashed recently by a friend of a friend, like somebody that I literally know in real life. But Because people are misinformed, and you can get so misinformed through the internet because people can just lie and make up things. Yeah, but I think that the hard thing, yes, the internet has, like, the possibility to, like, bring you down, but I also feel like with the bad, if it's genuine, comes good. And, like, I'm I'm waiting for people to kind of get the the good. I'm, I'm still seeing too many people who are, like, people who look like me that are making comments that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Are you not listening? Are you not paying attention? What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? But yeah. And I and I think that right now it really goes to show you like as you 
Like, I didn't know that was happening with Ashley. See, but that's type of stuff. That's why people, yeah, people are sliding her DMs, <coughs> calling her, like, calling her, you know, doing what they do, cyberbullying. When they disagree with the point, they come in, they death threats, and they do all the things. It's really wild, the internet. It's a wild place. But once you get up on a pedestal, once you get up that's into the limelight, like, that's what you, it's a trade-off. And so it's like, now you've got to be really like mentally strong and it's just I don't know it's I feel like there are people because like for me although I'm like a super outspoken person for the most part like I you know I'm real friendly whatever I'll talk to people I also know that I say a lot of wild stuff like that some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth is out of pocket Mm -hmm. and then I also know that I have a temper that I've, like, put into, like, the reverse, the, like, super reverse, the point that I'm not even trying to bring it out because now it's, like, work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I can't be that person who's out, like, this is what we should do, and, and, and leading, that's not me. I'm not, like, a Martin Luther King, I have a dream. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's not the type of person that I am. I'm the type, I'm the opposite type. I'm... Let me see how I can attack things. Like, how can I make my community better? How can Mm -hmm. I make people around me better? How can I make businesses better? How can I make athletes better? How can I make people who look like me? How can I help them where they are and help them get to where they want to be? Yeah. That's me. I, like, see the goodness in other people, and I want to make that. I want to manifest that for them. That's what I want to do. Absolutely. So it's like. But you have to have the people on the top. You have to have the me's. Mm-hmm. You have to have the people who are speaking. Yep. You have to have the people who are putting in the work who may not be, you know, but are, are literally like, okay, I'm the one who's out here. Like, I'm going to put in these marches. Like, and I'm going to, and I'm going to make sure that they see me for my number, even if it's 20 of us, mm-hmm. even if you're in a, a small town in Jade, in Kenosha, like in Kenosha, outside protesting and maybe one of them was like 15 people but then that 15 can grow Mm -hmm. and it can grow and it can grow and now like people like jade what in law school doing the damn thing because she's like it's not enough for me to just to just speak yes i will speak but i'm also gonna get this education behind it yeah absolutely and that's like super empowering i feel like everyone just has to find their way You're back. <laughs> so yeah. Um, sorry, so, yeah. I had to cough real bad. Um, even though it's Corona, so I couldn't let it be heard on the, <laughs> on, on the mic. But I'm it's sitting, all right. It's, I'm all good. I just didn't want to yuck a yuck in your ears. Um, but no, things are. <clears throat> Things are real. This is the time to do it. This is the time for you to figure out what is your niche. Yep. Is your, is your, do you, like you, photography. So you capture, like, in order for us to see the civil rights movement, there's people who, of the 60s, there are people who are out there taking pictures. Yeah. And if you're taking pictures, like, how do we know about the women's, Right, you know, they're they're fighting against prohibition. What they're they're getting the right to vote because there are pictures. So there are people. If that's your art. Where you yeah. can take pictures or you, like, take and you, like, create 
art from what you're processing, do it. I'm working actually, yes. Um, it It's what I decided back in, you know, earlier this year when the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor both happened around that time. I was really feeling away and, you know, you guys saw how the you know, world erupted into protests, riots and such like that. Immediately. And I was like, I feel compelled to be a part of this in some way. And just like Allie was saying, like, you know, you got to find your niche. Like, you got to decide what, how do you get involved in this? Because I think that we should all be kind of trying to get involved in some way. And, you know, no shade to anybody that, you know, isn't involved in the movement. It's just find a space that works for you. Allie wants to help people, uplift people, build spaces for young black kids to advance themselves, right, and enhance their lives. And I take part by taking those photos. I'm going to document this, and I'm going to document it to the best of my ability. Like, I'm working on a book. I take a lot of pictures, and I have a lot of pictures that just sit, and I never do anything with them, but these are the types of photos that are not allowed to just sit. Somebody has to see these, even if it's just a few people, even if only 10 people buy this book. Yeah. That's 10 people that can show it to their their 20 kids, right? And their 20 kids can show it to the And, you know, this is how history is passed down. It's like, I'm going to put these photos into a book, and I'm going to explain my version of what I saw happen in this time period. Through my lens. Through my lens. Yeah. And, and capturing it for what it truly is. Because too often I see a lady in particular, she'll post things about like, oh, the camera, the memes where it's like, the camera, wait, 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 don't take the picture when the black man is attacking the, the police officer. Okay, now the police officer is retaliating. Okay, now take a picture. See, and like stuff like that gets under my skin because a yeah. picture is a picture. Yeah. A picture is a picture. Yes, there are different moments, but a true artist, a true photographer cap captures that moment in its true essence. Yeah. And w however you interpret that And however art, you feel, right. However you feel art. about it, is that's, that's what it was intended to do. It was intended to start a conversation. It was intended to make you feel. And whether you agree with what you see in the photograph or not, you're going to talk about it. One way or the other. What do they say? Good news or bad press and, and good press is still good press? All, yeah, all, all press is good press. All press you're is being good press. Spoken about. Yeah. As long as you are in the press, it's good, right? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, and now it just, it almost breaks my heart. Yesterday, as a, as a black woman, to hear that these, that these officers are basically off scot-free I can only I, I saw comparable to, I legit had to I like I sat there and I watched it like I, I watched the live mm. decision because I needed to hear it for myself I need to hear exactly what happened and you know when you charge somebody with three counts of wanton endangerment that's where we I think that is what I heard his bail was set at $15,000 cash, which is literally... 1510 10%. That is no money, people. That is yeah. no money. Even if, it, even if it weren't just the 10%, $15,000, a 
I'm sure he has it. I'm sure his family has it. Yeah, and if not, the police who the are police backing who him back up, everybody will make it stop. happen. Well, yeah, his department will make it happen. Someone will make it happen. But it's literally no money. So he's not even going to spend the night in jail for this crime. Yeah. You murdered someone. Yeah. And in I, their home. And, and you're... Well, the only comparable situation I saw, not the only, but a comparable situation I was thinking about, I saw a picture on Instagram, Twitter, one of the two, and it had Brianna Taylor next to Emmett Till. Mm. And I was like, man, I can imagine that, like, these to have these men come into a situation into the man's into the man's uncle's home take that boy from his house beat him torture him and then try to get rid of his body by putting him inside a lake river water force did i'm sorry that just reminded me that i recently read about a man who was left in a ditch, his body on fire, and four white people have been arrested and charged. And all I go? From, from what I know, yeah. What? But my problem is, like, it's not even, we, we are so quick right now to jump to, like, did they get charged, did they get charged? And it's like, we don't even have time to process the fact that four white people murdered a black man and, and lit his on body on fire in a ditch a week ago. It is 2020. One week ago, I want to say, I think I read that it was in Iowa. Yeah. And and what's crazy about that? And that is and when like, you started talking about Emmett Till and all the, the what happened, to, that's all I, I was like, wow, that's crazy that you're telling me a story that happened. What was that? It's ten days ago, not even last week. Wow. And we're talking about lynchings, and oh, okay, so a black man got lynched in Iowa ten years ago. But that comes to there's too much there's too much audacity. I feel like there's certain Trump brings out the audacity in certain white people, and I just and that's the issue. It's fucking scary because I feel like at a certain point, like okay, boom, in the '60s, if you were in Alabama, Mississippi, you're going through. Yeah. You're going through, like, there. the law is not on your side, obviously, with the Emmett Till situation, with several, several, several others every day happening. But when it's, but, but at a certain point, it kind of cooled off a little bit, I feel like. You know, like, it, it kind of, or it didn't cool off, it changed. So then we had, like, this police brutality. But now it's happening, like, Iowa? What? They're... Iowa, we drove... A, what, a state over? A state over, yeah. literally. Literally. Iowa, the fun fact, the University of Iowa, when I was going to school, was giving... Or when we were applying, they were allowing students from Illinois to come to Iowa for free because they wanted us to come and attend. <laughs> and not for free, for, for in-state tuition, which yeah, was pretty cheap. much for free. Yeah. Because they needed diversity. Because they needed diversity. So that's happening in Iowa? Like, that's, that's the craziest part of everything that's going on with, this is why, this is the time to do it, 
this is the time to do it. I just like yeah. If I'm tell once again, if this is the moment you were waiting on <laughs> for someone to tell you it's time to get it, get it to get involved. This is that sign. Hello, yeah. Yeah. hello. Step up. Step up. Not even just step up white people, step up black people. Yes. Step and up. Hold your white people accountable. Yes, hold. And I know that sounds crazy. Like, we obviously don't own any white people, but you have white people in your life that you care about, that you love. And I know that there are some of you that are still out there not holding those people accountable, and you have to. Yeah. You have to. I know you love them, and I know you don't want them to treat you differently, and I know you don't want them to think that you've changed, but you have to. You have to hold them accountable. It's like, you cannot be a black person sitting in a room full of white people and being the butt of a joke for the sake of feeling, I don't know what you think you're feeling, but it's not comfort. It can't be. It can't be. And, and, and... Acceptance, maybe? Being allowed into, to, into the room? It can't be. You know what? And as, a, as someone who grew up in the suburbs, like, there is that uncomfortable moment because you think to yourself like like when you're when you're when you're the when you're the kid in class and and we're talking about slavery and everybody's looking at you like you have some sort of like so it so i guess from both sides i see feeling uncomfortable and i get it so let's recognize your feelings let's take a moment to recognize your feelings and now fuck that shit. Yeah. You, this is the time that you need to speak up. Because if these people don't truly, genuinely care about you, if they're not, if they love you, they will take the opportunity to at least try to understand where you're coming from. Exactly. And if they don't, fuck They weren't meant for you. Fuck do, I mean, if you feel like you got it in you to stay and teach them to be better, then do that. Do that. But if, if you that don't, is your calling... But some of us weren't called to do that. Some yeah. of us were called to knock heads. So walk away. Yeah. <laughs> so just walk away. Yeah, I told you guys I have a deep I have a I have a deep a reverse on the anger, but it, it it's just a quick low to get here, so let's not. Let's just not let's not. We super don't have to. So let's segue into the all right you guys so we have some guests with us on the show today for free lunch so we want to introduce you to jade and lawrence can you guys go ahead and introduce yourself ladies first oh yeah i hate running down my resume but I'm Jade John Lee, also known as Jade Peoples, formerly by the government. Um, I am a UIC law student. Uh, previously, got my master's from Texas A&M University, and I know Chloe and Allie from my bachelor in dance at the University of Illinois. Two of my I L L. Yes, guys. I and I. Yes. Um, but that's who I am. Hey, y'all. What's up? What's up? I could continue to speak about what I do. But Tell us some more about what you do, Jay. What you out here doing with the people? Uh, okay, well, I guess. Um, uh, most recently, I've been running congressional campaigns. Uh, I've also been the field director for congressional race in Wisconsin's first district. 
Um, I actually, my old boss just told me that she's about to run for judge. So soon I'll be helping on another campaign, which is awesome. Um, I don't, I initially was franchising gyms and then ended up in the political world. How? Only God knows. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm a first year law student. It's rough right now, but I mean, I'm just trying to do what God's called me to do. So that's why I'm here. Hey. Yes, ma'am. Blessings, blessings. Yeah. Okay. okay. What about you, Lawrence? Come on, Mayor Lawrence. I also hate running down my resume. Uh, But my name is Lawrence Patterson II. People on IG and Twitter know me as Byron Douglas IV. If you don't know where that came from, it's a different world. Politician that originally dated Whitley Gilbert. Uh, My current jobs, plural, jobs, um, I am the commissioner of Markham Park District. I'm running on a six-year term. Um, I was elected, duly elected last year. Um, I'm also a uh, co-vice president of the Bremen Township uh, Democratic Organization. For uh, We pretty much uh, host events for Mark Illinois, Hazelcrest, Harvey, Oak Forest, Orland Park, Tinley Park, so on and so forth. Um, outside of that, I'm a community activist as well. I've done, I did a lot of work with the rioting and the looting and the civil unrest over the summer. Um, and we pretty much were a people about 35 to 50 people boarding up buildings, you know, handing out food, things of that nature. Um, I got my bachelor's in political science and public policy from Roosevelt University. Um, and the question that people always ask me is, did I ever see myself going into politics? And the answer is yes. You know, um, something I always wanted to do. Um, I love helping people. I love being involved with the new generation of politicians out there. And here I am now. And in four years, I'll be running for something else, but we'll leave that for a different episode. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, we're super excited to have both these guys on the podcast with us today because we're gearing up for election day. Yeah, next Tuesday. Literally next Tuesday. When they say, oh, yes, and Jade's birthday. Yes. I was born for this. Come on, literally. (laughs) But we wanted to have y'all here for a reason. We wanted y'all, you know, with your political minds to come on here and kind of talk to us about what are we preparing for? What should the people be thinking about? Just all those different types of things. Where to even start? Yeah, a lot. I don't care. Well, whoever, whoever wants to jump right in, jump right in. Oh my goodness, this election season is important. One, um, I think we're going into it a little different than we have previously, just because of the climate of the world. I know a lot of my fellow African-Americans, I just like to call them black folks, um, are exhausted, like we're tired. (laughs) So I think like when you have already beaten us down and now you're asking us to go to the box, some people are like, I'm not doing that. But I think that there's power in the ballot and we got to use it. Um, so I think it's important to get out and vote. I think it's important to encourage your friends to vote. I think it's important to talk about it as a family, go as a family, create a, 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 a tradition, pass it down. Like we need to be able to use our voices and we need um, especially our young people to start to make it a regular thing that we vote and vote and vote locally for real even uh, even oh, yeah, for sure. huge election there's other smaller races i'm sure coming up in your individual communities um and those things impact you more directly i think more directly um you feel the effects of it more directly when you vote locally so i think 
yes, vote on a national level, but you know, get in tune and know who's who's on the ballot in your neighborhood and pressure them to do what you need them to do. Like that's that's what people don't understand is that there's so much power in just showing up <laughs> to your local mayor's office and being like, "You're my mayor. I need this done." Period. Like, let's go. So I think that's important. Yeah. No, it's funny that you say that, Jade, because literally the other day. I was riding through the city of Chicago, and I was like, why are there so many potholes? Like, is no one, is there not, like, are people not going to their mayors and their, like, aldermans and their, like, whatever their local? Because let me tell you something. If I had a pothole and I was paying taxes in a city the way some of these potholes are on regular road, I would be knocking on doors like, hello, hello, did you get in here because of me? You have some money. Come fix it right now. Oh, absolutely. I've definitely written a couple of letters to the aldermen in my parents' neighborhood because we need some speed bumps because people just fly. Just they surely do down the block. Yes, yes. You've been on my parents' block. You see how people just fly down the street. But Jade, I also love that you said like make like traditions out of voting. Like vote as a family. And that's something that I did for this like last election um, for mayor. I just was like Hey, woke up my little brother. Come on, let's go vote. Everybody. We just made a day of it. We just hung out the whole day. We started with going to vote together, and then we just kicked it. So it's like, you can't really make a whole day of it. I saw somebody on Twitter talking about some, who wants to uh, make mimosas and wait in line to early vote? Like, yes, me. That sounds like a good deal. I would definitely. Yes. I was going to say. <laughs> Come Sign on, free game. Like, the, the day party oh. is in the voting line. Like, let's pull up. Yes. And it's going to be socially distant. Out. Exactly. We as a community put a lot of energy into things that don't matter. And this is my just personal opinion. Um, And I I hear people, it it frustrates me, honestly, when I hear people say they're not going to vote. Because just because you don't vote doesn't mean that the person next to you (laughs) won't either. You know what I mean? It's like, you're missing out. Like, we should talk about this like it's the new Jordan coming out. Like, voting is the new Jordans, okay? We need to get there. (laughs) Like, that's how our community should be, and that's how we actually will have a say in stuff. Like, the more of us that – I love that he said he's – what did you say? You're on the commissioner's board? That's awesome. Like, we need seats at the table. Like, and I think people wait for other people to do it. And it's like, if you look around and nobody else is up there, it's probably your turn. It's probably you. You're the person that needs to run it. You don't want me to get up there. I do. I be telling people all the time, if you're always finding yourself arguing or mad about something in your city, it's because you're not on the board. You need to step up. Like, we need more young people in the seats. We need more young people supporting the young people in the seats so that our voices are heard, supported, and respected. Like, it's such a gap right there, and I just be so pa- – I'm going to run uh, in the future once I'm done with this wild thing called law school. But I, I feel like it's my responsibility at this point. I don't – it's my duty. Like, I don't have a choice. <clears throat> not to run at this point. My community needs me and there's so many other people that don't realize that their community needs them as well. Love that. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said, especially uh, with about local politics. But what a lot of people don't realize is in 2007, when that's when I graduated from high school, we went from a change candidate, Barack Hussein Obama. And then we have in 2016, we had a person who ran on Make America Great Again. Now those are two different spectrums of the political landscape. And if people don't understand the last four years and how it impacted your life, and I'm not talking about by $10,000 scams or whatever the case may be, uh, then we were in for another rude awakening for these next four years. Um, So the way I see it is 
uh, as an elected official, as a 30-year-old black elected elected official, I think my job right now is to, I think Jade said it, what is to get more people in, interested into the political landscape. What ends up happening is, especially in Illinois, and I'm assuming everybody on this call is in Illinois right now, so you guys can probably tell me different if I'm lying. The average age of every politician in Illinois is 57 years old. When you go into I that room and you ask for that seat at that table, they look at you and say, what did you do to deserve this? Mm -hmm. And I can just, and now I can look at them back and I say, well, I had 10,350 people vote for me and say I deserve a seat. But now my Be job, when I, when I job, my job right now is when I sit, sit sitting at that seat, I'm flipping the table over because we, we can't continue, you know, going and reading our demons. And our demons right now in America is really, really hefty. And it's, it's very hard on us right now. So when people we say- We've got to use our legs. Yeah, you have to use your legs. You also got to use, use your, your legs. And when people, yeah. people, I always get, be it be the young or it be the old, my vote doesn't matter or my voice doesn't matter. And that's because you're not saying nothing. <laughs> you're not saying nothing. If you can't tell me, if you can't tell me who your aldermen are, if you can't tell me who your mayor is, if you can't tell me who your state reps are, state senators, I can go on and on and on. If the only thing that you can tell me is Donald Trump, Lori Lightfoot. I don't want to hear anything and else. That came out exactly. I mean, it's just, it's just like, come on, man. What, what are you actually doing to actually become engaged? So right now, like we have aldermen that are 30 or less than 30. We have mayoral candidates that's coming on board. That's what, 35 years old. You got people running for Cook County. School boards are open. Libraries are open. Don't look at the presidential election that happened next week on November 3rd as the end. Because come next year in February, guess what we get? We got primaries for the state of Illinois. Come next year in April, guess what we get? We got a general election in Illinois. It just don't stop. You better be voting, 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 voting. And, you know, and that's something that I, like, struggle with. Because I'll be honest, I'm not, like, a, I, I haven't historically been great at, like, the local voting things. Like, I remember when we were at U of I, there was, like, something happening in Champaign. And they were like, come on, y'all, let's all go vote. And we got to go vote. And I was thinking to myself, this doesn't affect me. I'm on this college campus. My tuition dollars got me. Or at least that's what I thought. That's what I, that's what I would have hoped. But it's, that's, I mean, you guys bring up a good point. It's not just the, the big elections. It's not just the big faces that you see. It's the regular people who, like I said, are not fixing the potholes in front of your house. And honestly, that's more important sometimes when you're trying to get something directly done. Like Exactly. When you're noticing problems in your neighborhood, you need to know who your local elected officials are because those are the people that you need to be tapping into. Those people are actually reachable. If we're being quite honest, you could pop up on them. Yeah. Pop up at your alderman's office. Hello. My name is so-and-so, and I live in your neighborhood. And to be honest, they start to make lists of those people that show up. They, You know what I mean? They want to avoid confrontation with the, the locals, their constituents. They do not want you to keep popping up. So nine times out of ten, the things that you're asking for are going to get done, or they're going to be publicly addressed, or something's going to happen because they do not like rifts in their office. And I can't say that enough. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I've done it. Like, it is a real thing. It is a real thing to show up and show up consistently. And the other thing is that, like, and at least for me, when I was working in Wisconsin, which is a whole other beast in Chicago, um, 
they are having conversations and they are talking about things that directly impact minority communities. And what's disheartening is a lot of times the things that they're talking about and we're not even in the room. No, no one that looks like us are in the room a lot of times, at least up there. And I think it was disheartening for me. And that's what even woke me up to the fact that I need to be involved and need to be have a seat at the table. Because how are you talking about homelessness and joblessness and uh, welfare and all these things that are directly impacting my community? And there's 60-year-old white people in here. Like, I just don't You've understand. never been hungry. You've, You've never, never been hungry. had to struggle. You don't even know what it's like. So you're making policies and, and voting on things that don't... You're going home, Sally, <laughs> to your comfortable home with your warm house and food on your table. And your Tesla. What it's like to share a bedroom with your three siblings. You know what I mean? It's like... You couldn't imagine. Half of them couldn't even imagine. Exactly. So for well, them to be sitting here making policies about communities that they don't even want to step foot in is really just beyond me. You know what I mean? Like, it's really just disheartening. So I think that when you wake up to that and you realize how much of a gap there is right now, it makes you want to get involved. I wholeheartedly agree with everything that was said. One thing that we have to start understanding the acronyms like TIF, you know, the tax uh, increment financing, that is this our money used to address things like who said potholes? I think it was Allison or Chloe. That, oh, that is yeah. to address those things. But it, that the TIF money can be manipulated to a point where they can say, well, F the potholes. What we're going to do is we're going to give this uh, shopping center a facelift with the TIF money that you, the citizens, didn't ask for. Those are just a little simple things that if you don't actually go to your alderman or your mayor and bug them that you will not be getting me. I have a 48-hour turn time. If you send me an email, if you give me a phone call, and I don't answer the phone, I got 48 hours to give you a call back. And that's just what I made for myself. That's the responsibility that I have to give to the people that voted for me. And they no. they asked me for a million dollars from the swimming pool. They know I'm going to say no, but they already know that, hey, at least I thought about it. You right. know, it's just one of those <laughs> At least I thought about it. You know what? That makes it no better. That makes it no better if I feel like you, like, really thought about it. The quick knows that would get me. I'm like, yep. you didn't even think about it. You didn't Don't even tell try. me no. Right. So I know we talked about, you know, how necessary it is to vote, especially on the local level. But we're, you know, we're going into this presidential election. And like Jade was saying, like, there's a lot of people out here saying that they're not going to vote this time around. And it's like, what do we say to those people? How do we encourage them to vote without like beating them over the head? But how do we encourage people to vote or and one of the things that I hear a lot is that my vote just won't matter. So it doesn't matter if I vote or not. And it's like, what do we say to those people? Well, you have, well go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. To, especially with us, our age group group and, you know, some of our parents age group, you have to literally dig down to the dollar sign behind everything. I'm not sure about y'all. I have a career outside of politics. I make great money doing it. Donald Trump Trump's tax plan did not benefit me. I end up losing more than $8,000 year over year through that tax plan. And that's when that's that was my realization that this tax plan did not help people in middle America like myself. If you get down to the nitty gritty, healthcare is one of them. My healthcare, I just did my United Healthcare a week ago. It went up by $44. Think about that. That's $44 per paycheck. So that's $88, that's $88 a month. You have to, we have to start laser lining how this is directly impacting people in your everyday lives. When people say, oh, well, 
my vote doesn't count because they already get people in, uh, in mind who they want. Okay, granted, that happens with every business you ever enter. That happened with any landscape of any organization that you have ever been a part of. That, but that's only because people are scared to actually confront those people about, hey, I don't want Joe Blow, or I don't want Peter, or I don't want Sally. I want this guy who's willing to defend my, defend my point of view and talk up for me. And that's just the way that we have to start addressing it. We have to make people very understanding that although, you know, we are running up against a uh, presidential election that people, um, I guess the best way to put it, are not really happy about, um, but we still have other avenues that are more important to our everyday lives. And, you know, that's, that's our senators, that's our congressmen, that's our mayors and things of that nature. And once they understand that, then we get them. We really get them. I love that. I'm sorry. If I could just interject real quickly, I like how you said that this is an election that people aren't necessarily really happy about, but like the previous election, people weren't really happy about it. And I'm sure there have been multiple times. Look, I taught U.S. history, so I've had to teach a lot of presidents that a lot of candidates were not, president isn't necessarily like, you're not always going to get an Obama situation. We're like, oh, we love him. He's so great. We're not always going to get a John F. Kennedy. We love him. He's so great. But but it's not about the, I like, it's not necessarily about the person. It's about what are they going to do? Like, what is their credibility? What is their accountability? So, so they, I think for 2016, it was a little different. And everybody, and, and I, this is just my, you know, me thinking too much into it. Hillary Clinton was a flawed candidate. We all know that. Donald Trump is a flawed president. We all know that. But it's something deeper behind Hillary Clinton. The deeper thing behind Hillary Clinton was that she was a white woman. A woman in general. She was a woman in general. And that's why she didn't win. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I also think, and I like that you you both kind of touched on my point, is that um, I don't think there's a perfect candidate. I don't think that that person exists. And I think that people put too much um, value and stock in someone being exactly who they want them to be. Like nine times out of 10, you not even who you want you to be. Like, and I'm a value believer uh-huh. in thinking like you do nothing and nothing gets done. So us not voting as a, as a, as a solution is not a solution at all. <laughs> like it's literally not getting us anywhere. And I think the good thing that, and Joe Biden was not my first choice. Like I didn't vote for Joe Biden in the primary. But what I will say, I didn't vote for Kamala either, but I will say that the thing that I love about Joe Biden is that he has growth mindset. And that's like from where you are right now and where we need you to be, you're willing to go there. Like you're willing to evolve. Like you're willing to say you're wrong. That is the quality of a leader. A leader works for the people. We are not, you don't, we don't, you're not a dictator. Like you have to listen to your constituents. You have to understand what the needs of your communities are and not understand that there's multiple communities and multiple needs and multiple wants of the people. So that's what I like about Joe Biden, that I feel like he's not saying this is what I want. He's like listening and learning as he goes. And that's what's going to make him a good leader. He has growth mindset. He's going to take us from where we are to where we need to be. And he's going to take us there by listening. And that is something that we need right now, especially when the country is hurting from so many different things at the same time, like we don't need what we got right now. We gotta go forward. <laughs> and the only way to go forward is to is to work together. I agree. <laughs> Why did you vote for Kamala in the primaries? I just wanna ask him that. Well, I think that, so 
my political ideology is different than most millennials. I, I, I'm not as progressive as most people put think uh, you are. And I, I, I want to kind of segue into something real quick, and I'm going to get back to your point. I want people, to, whoever listens to this about black people, or if black people are listening as well, in which I know we are, we are not as liberal as we think we are. We Agreed. Are, we are legit moderate by stature. Right. We are very conservative when it comes to fiscal policy. We are very liberal when it comes to uh, anything right. social. I'm a Barack Obama moderate. I think Kamala Harris is a Barack Obama moderate, judging by her policy. Not saying that everything that she did, she did is correct. But one thing that, you know, I, I remember when I was in high school, I had to memorize this one thing about Barack Obama's 2008 campaign speech. And the first part went, it was something like, but that doesn't mean that your work is done right now. The role of a citizen our democracy does not end with your vote. America's never... Uh, it has never been about what we can, what can you do for us? It's about what we can do for America. That is what Kamala has stated every single time she's been on stage. It's not about what we can do as president for America. It's about what you can do to help us to achieve the overall uh, view of what we're looking to do. And that's why I voted for. Again, I love Bernie. I love AOC. I love Elon. I love uh, Ilhan. I love all of them. But I think in terms of my ideology, Kamala fit me. I like that. I, I like that I, too. That plays into what you said too, Jade, about how, you know, they this pair has that growth mindset. They're willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, what could we really ask for more at this point than at least somebody that's willing to listen? Exactly. Yeah. And act on the things that we're kind of asking for. But see, the thing is, I also think that's a great question. What can we ask for more? But I think we have to also do a deep uh, analysis into ourselves. Mm -hmm. Our community, we have this thing where we expect people to do, do, do. As an African-American man, and I'm not ashamed to get, you know, into a debate or argument with any other black dude. They will look me in the eye and say, well, Barack Obama only like gay people. And I'm like, dude, where are you getting this stuff from? And then they'll go like, well, Barack Obama didn't do anything for the community. But meanwhile, you selling dime bags to your eight-year-old cousin, nine-year-old cousin. Come on, bro. What are you doing for the community that can actually help impact? What are you doing? What part are you doing? What's your role? Because it's only one thing. It's only one Chloe. It's only one Allison. There's only one Jay. But I mean, we... We can set the standard and we can set you the path, but are you willing to help us follow? No, you're not because you want to be a leader. But everybody's not meant to lead. You yeah. gotta, we have to have that deep understanding with, with ourselves. And that's how we actually can start impacting our everyday politics. We I agree. I'm such a, okay. I love Kamala. I love, I love my black sisters and the power they bring to any situation. I'm just so excited that she is even a, the candidate. Every time I see her, I'm just like, yes, sis. But um, I didn't vote for her. Um, but I think because I, I'm such a, I'm such a supporter of the Green New Deal, and I think it's so important right now. And I'm just like, we need this right now. Uh, that I was just so like really hoping that. Maybe we could get close to it. But I mean, Joe Biden is, is not, 
for it, but he is going to propose something close. So I'm hoping that we can get somewhere near a Green New Deal because it's so important that we... Right, we, because our other option is completely ignoring the fact that climate change even exists. It's, it's really bad right least, Very bad. He doesn't even want to acknowledge the fact that it exists. Well, yeah. also, too, I mean, if you think about, uh, I'm not sure who all watched the last debate, but it was this big thing about fracking in the oil industry. And I'm just like, shut them both down. Kill them. Kill it. I don't want to hear about, no, we need to save fracking or we need to save the oil industry. No, man, we are over that. Well, we why do you think they're doing that? Where do you think that interest lies? The, them pockets. Exactly. It's always about the money. Always. Yeah, because that's that's healthcare. That's big pharma. That's yep. that's all the pharmacies. That's the doctors that are making so much money. But yet the the people who are helping save your lives, those initial responders, those nurses, are making regular baby money. It's all about the money. It's about who's gonna keep who's gonna keep padding their pockets because when they need to run for campaigns, that's what they're doing. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think if I'm going to keep it real, if I'm going to keep it a buck, I just feel like Joe Biden is so, 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 so old. And you know how like when old men get that kind of like, okay, baby, whatever you say, I just feel like he's there for America. Like, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> like, I'm going to stay strong. Me. Right. I'm going to stay strong so people don't think I'm a punk. But baby, whatever you need. And I just... I don't know. I think Joe Biden got some fire up under him. Like, I don't know. I don't, he, he yeah, don't... no, I think it comes out every once in a while. Like, if you watch the debates, like, yeah, every, once in, every once in oh, a no, while, no, no. his tongue was slick. He was, I was like, wait. Let me, let me tell you. Wait, wait, wait. Let me tell you. First off, Joe Biden became very good friends with Barack Obama. Joe Biden has lived a lot of life. So I believe that he's witty. I believe that he's got some fire underneath him. I just mean in terms of like, if you're a 27-year-old politician, if you're a 30-year-old politician, if you're like, we look at these, um, like some of these young politicians, these young women in some of these states that are in the House of Representatives, and they are very aggressive and they're very like push, like this is my, this is how I feel and this is what I'm going to say and I'm not really caring. And I'm going to go back and forth with Donald Trump on Twitter. I mean, Biden does it too, but they, they're very, very strong and like this is what I've, I'm running on and I'm, I'm the beginning of my career. Biden has literally seen, literally seen both sides of several different policies he's he's been a politician that's voted one way he's been a politician that that's voted another way but there's growth and there's change and so I feel like as he's rounding out I don't want to say rounding out his life to give him a death sentence but as he's like rounding out the end part of his life I feel like in this presidential election he's like understanding understanding like what, what needs said. to happen yeah more willing you know? to listen yeah, well, Allison, because it, it kind of like kind of hit home. Allison, Allison, Allison. Only Lawrence. There's like very few people in my life who call me Allison, and Lawrence is one of them. Well, we're, we're kind of family. Don't, don't worry about it. We're kind of family. Of course, family. Joe Biden's rounding out his life. Joe Biden's 77 years old. He was born in 1941, right? So by the time, right. if he survives his four next four years, in which I think he will win, um, he'll be in his early 80s. We love to nitpick and say, oh, well, he sponsored the crime bill. Do people actually read the crime bill? Do people actually understand what was going on in the 90s to, to actually 
have the crime bill in place. Now, I'm not a proponent of every single thing in that crime bill. But when you look at where we were at the time in the 90s, I think we needed it. <laughs> Let me be flat out honest. I think we needed it at that time. And we had, and that's another part of us having that realization. Yes, he's evolved. If you look at legislation, Donald Trump and his supporters like to throw out, well, he's been in for 47 years and he has not been able to enact any of this stuff. That's because the stuff that was in front of us was different from decade to decade to decade. Exactly. You can't put <laughs> 90s problems in 70s years. That's not exactly. It's not conflict. That's like this morning. I'm not sure if you guys noticed. Um, social media had a, congress a congressional meeting uh, with the CEO, uh, with uh, Zuckerberg, Twitter, Facebooks, all them people. If you hear these people actually talk to them, they have no idea about technology. You're still <laughs> implementing eighty the 80s into the 2020s. This is why we need new leadership to understand what's going on. This is why I think. Joe Biden, 77 years old, again, I can guarantee you guys one thing. This is not his administration. It's Kamala's administration. She's, hey. she's been prepared for it. Hey. I think I, I mean, get prepared to see when people say, oh, Kamala was a prosecutor. I'm like, if she did her job well while she well, was prosecuting, you had it. If I'm a rapist, am I not supposed to go to jail because I'm black? I'm confused. Oh boy! Oh, was she, she put black people in jail that did crimes. What do you want from her? Like, but she also put white people in jail who did crimes. She statistically, put she put people. statistically she put for every white man she put in jail, she put three. Uh, for every black man she put in jail, she had three white men. Statistically, that was her statistics. Come on now, people, think about this. Yeah. But you know what, people? No this teacher. is what I love. No okay, and this is why, like, I used to love being a teacher. Because, like, when you teach, you really know that people, like, what people know and what they don't know. Like, you'll, you'll hear kids talk about, oh, I hate algebra. Oh, I can't stand geometry. Statistics, it's not even offered in the majority of the inner city schools, so we're not going to talk about that. So when you get out of life and then you start analyzing data for me in your regular speech, people don't even know how to analyze the data. So they hear whatever rhetoric comes with the numbers. Three plus four, seven. Kamala Harris is a murderer. Oh yeah. How do we like, get what? how do we get here? How did we get here? How did we get here? Just can you show me the math? Can you show me the is that a multiplication or is that a, is that a uh, what's that carrot thing right there? Show me what show me what's going on because people literally say whatever. And Honestly. and I love when people say, Oh, such and such is hasn't done anything for my life. But then you don't have a license. You're like not on paper with the government anywhere. Of course, they it's haven't done anything for your life. You're room. you're living under the radar. Most people get their news from the shade room. I just I cannot. And I right. can't. honestly, truly, most people do get their news from the shade room. Literally, and, and, and baller alerts. And that and that's also an issue, especially with the young ladies, especially young minority women. If you are not paying attention they are trying to put the white man in control of a woman. That's the most basic way I can put it. They are trying to control women. And if they get their way, they will. I mean, that's what the Donald Trump administration has done Yeah, so we've far. been heading in that direction. Which makes oh, no guys. sense why women support it. I'm like, Sis, how are you supposed to? But you know what? But you know what? I, I'm, I don't want to switch the subject, but I'm going to switch it real quick because you know this is my show. 
with June and um and uh what's it called? What is it? The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, now, when I first started watching The Handmaid's Tale, <laughs> I was looking at it and I was like, man, these people like, how did this happen? You got you got all these ladies in red. Who coordinated this? Who stitched all of these outfits? Do you have multiple red outfits or they're just a few? Do you have multiple green? I was trying to figure it out, but when they showed those flashbacks and they were talking about like how little things happen, and I told y'all I'm a I'm a history or I was a history teacher. So literally I used to teach this, like how things happen. Like we used to call teach the causes of the Civil War. We used to talk about the lead up to World War One. It's funny that we talk about World War One and World War Two because Biden was born in the second year, nineteen forty one. World War II ended, started in 1939. He was two years old. He was born in a time where people were outside making victory gardens yep. because then you won't go to the grocery store because people were sending stuff to troops. So, like, you have people who are born in all these different eras, and people are trying to, like, you have to understand your history. Absolutely. Like, if, if that's – if when people say, oh, school's not for me, it is because you need to know some of these things because when you become an adult, this may not be – I'm not a historian – but I can look and I can see patterns. And when you look and you see patterns, you're like, oh, okay, this this is crazy. This is crazy. You know, and, and honestly speaking, with Donald Trump, when he first got into in presidency and people were like, damn, what's the worst we could happen? Who would have known we would have been in a pandemic? Who would have known? And here we are. Who would have known? What's the worst thing that can happen? California, Oregon, all the West Coast was on fire. What's and it's so sad. I was just out yesterday and the, the girl behind the bar was saying basically that like she had deferred her car note. They won't let her defer anymore. The restaurant's closing down. And it's just like you see people in despair. And it's just like, you're just like, Ugh, I don't even know what to say to you because you are like, you represent so many people in this country. Like, what do you do? You vote. Yeah. No. Yes, literally. literally <laughs> vote. And that is what we were talking about from the very beginning. You need Ugh. to go vote. So as we wrap well, up, I ask guys, a question? Oh, oh, I just have one last question. Because, you know, I've been real busy. And, and so I haven't really been able to follow everything that's been going on with this new lady who just got, um, who just became the Supreme Court Justice. I know she has two black kids from Twitter. Shout out to Twitter. But what is like can we just get a little quick sum up of that just real quick before we end amy coney barrett is the typical uh heart right political male she wants roe v wade gone she wants what they call obamacare the aca gone she wants women rights to be controlled i mean it, it, it's it's just She's a mess. Um, the reason why they put her up there is because she's a young white woman. She's going to be able to serve about 40 years as a, as a SCOTUS. Um, and that's the best way to put it. Um, I'm sure Jay can add on a little bit more. But, I mean, trash, trash, can, Thor, in the trash can. So she's like, so she's like uh, Serena Joy off, um, off uh, Handmaid's Tale. How Serena Joy, like, kind of helped them get it. And then, and then she's gonna be sad later. Maybe that's what it is. I, I think so. I mean, so part of me wants to hope that she's not who she 
actually is, which I, I can't even really stand on that. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, for the like soul of me, for you to replace Ruth Bader, I just hope that you could leave or like just be a little bit of the legacy that you're, you're replacing. Cause it's just, it's really just disheartening to see a legacy, like such a great, a great, woman that did great things for this country to be replaced by such basura i just i i don't know part of me just really hopes that she does something good for the for the for this country but pack the court pack the court i'm with it i'm with it like yeah. Even though I do feel Frame like to be 12. Uh, yeah, I think it's it a bad precedent. I honestly think it does set a bad precedent because if you do pack the court, you all you open that up to the other side as well. But at this point, all bets are off, baby. We are packing the court. Let's go. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Pick it up. Like, let's go. Because I just don't even. I can't. There, we can't go. We can't go too far back. We got to go forward, and the only way to go forward is to pack the court. So at this point, that's what we're doing. If I was on the, if I was, if I was in in the government for real, I would literally be rallying the troops right now. Okay. All right. Well, Jade and Lawrence, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to tell the people specifically about uh, next Tuesday's election, what they should be thinking about as they head to the polls? Or as they're, you know, I know people are early voting and mail-in voting as well. So people have already voted. But for those people that are still trying to make up their minds. It is not only an honor to vote. It is a duty to vote. It, there is power in voting. There is power in being heard. Um, but there is more to do after you vote. So don't just stop there. You got to show up. You got to show up consistently to your, uh, to your local elections. Um, in your local uh, legislators offices, you got to do more than just vote. It only starts there. And that's the message I want to make sure I put out is that voting is just the beginning. There's so much more work to be done. And there's a lot of millennials and younger people starting to get into the political sphere and we need help. We need support. We can't take this battle on by ourselves. So if you at all have an inkling of wanting to help or, or know someone who would be good at, at being a face or being a support, like really encourage them to reach out to me on Instagram, J. John Lee, email me, jjohnlee at gmail.com, whatever it is. I really just want to get more people involved because this battle is heavy and I, we can't carry it on our own. So I, I just encourage you to show up and be consistent and know that your, your, your small steps will make a big impact in the long run. Yeah, so uh, my closing argument for this, and it's not really an argument, is that uh, November 3rd, um, you're going to see something dramatic, no matter who wins. It's going to be a very, very dramatic day because the weeks that follow is going to show the soul of America. Via it be you have, you're going to open up that closet full of demons or you're going to renew hope into the nation. Um, as far as like the polls go, you see Joe Biden leading in all these polls. Same thing Hillary Clinton was leading in 2016. The only thing we can tell you to do is go out and vote, vote some more, bring some more people to go out and vote. November 3rd, an election. February, I believe, is February 25th of 2021, an election. Early April, an election. It does not stop. This is year around. And just because, and this is for millennials, younger folks, because I've been told this my entire political life, my entire activism life, just because somebody tell you that you cannot do it, do it anyway and rub it all on their face because they ain't going to tell you you can't do it again. That's my spiel. 
Oh, and by the way, y'all can invite me back on this. This is actually pretty fun. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Definitely. Both yeah. of you guys come back. Lawrence, do you want to drop your Instagram handles or anything like that? Where can the people find you? So I have, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Lawrence Patterson II, or you can find me on my political page, Lawrence Patterson II, Park and Park District Commissioner. Twitter, if you want to hear me say all the reckless stuff about politics, at Byron Douglas the Fourth, IV, not number four, or Instagram, the same handle, at Byron Douglas the Fourth, IV. That's so funny, because yes, that's that's Lawrence. I know the Ratchet Lawrence. You kept it very professed today. I'm wait, proud, wait, Lawrence. I'm wait, proud. We're gonna have to have Ratchet Lawrence on the podcast at one point. Wait, hey, right. I'm reading this book right now. Name. We can definitely do that. <laughs> oh, Wait. is that Lenny? It's Lenny. It's Ratchet. That book is Ratchet. Lawrence, what's your Instagram again? Uh, Byron Douglas the Fourth. So Byron Douglas IV. I'll send it to you, Jade, if you can't I, find it. For the and we'll put it in the comment section for the listeners too. We'll put it in the the description. For, we'll put both of your names and Instagram handles and all of that in the description as well for the podcast episode. Yeah, oh boy. Got, I think we got the formal part out the way, team. This was great. Uh, yeah, this was so much fun. If you buck. Hey, hey I'm a get toting pistol holding. I'm a eh, hey. Wait, wait, wait. I come in the club shaking my dress, throwing these balls and busting these hands. Busting these hands. We did mock campaigns, like, okay, boom. You have to go outside and you need to do, uh, what's it called? Who are you, what do these posters look like? That was the debate topic for class. Uh, Girl, debate. Debate, all that. How about the, you know, because y'all know, well, I don't know if Lawrence knows, but I used to teach in Phoenix, in Arizona. So most of my kids are, um, they cross the border. So they used to be like, (laughs) miss. It don't matter if he build a wall. We got tunnels, G. I'm like, please get out of my classroom. <laughs> get out. <laughs> we don't you know, get I just saw one of those tunnels. We come in regardless. <laughs> yeah, and what was that movie? Uh, Fast and Furious, when they went through that tunnel real fast. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, my kids used yeah. to be hilarious, G. They used to talk so much shit about Donald Trump in my classroom. And I was like, I'm here for the slander. I'm going to pretend like I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I'm busy. There was a few times where I would, like, let my kids cuss. If they were talking about Donald, fuck it, Donald Trump every time. Let it ride. Let it ride. Let it ride. We don't need to put no quarters in the cup. It's okay. Let it ride. Let it ride. <laughs> The Donald Dakeover, the Dakeover. The recolonization of America. Right, the recolonization of America. Um, I remember the day before, I told my students, I was like, everything's going to be okay. Like, nobody is, this is actually kind of sad. This isn't a teacher story, but I basically told my kids, like, you know, we're going to be okay. 
whatever. Now, the first time I, I first became old enough to vote for Obama, but I was in Ecuador at the time, so I couldn't vote. So this was my first like presidential election, and I was so excited to go. Uh, my little polling place was at the at the fire uh, house. I love pulled in like I was a fire truck, like beep beep. <laughs> Went in there, punched my ballot, and then I was, and but I was nervous because I was like, oh, I'm in Miami, you know they mess up the election. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we had Bush for so long. Uh-oh. But um, <laughs> so I was nervous, and then when I saw the results that that next day, I like, I remember I saw the kid who was like, Miss, like we're gonna be okay, right? And he looked at me, and he and we both were like crying in the hallway. Oh no! Because I was like, I don't even know. What I don't to even tell know how to comfort you because I can't comfort myself. Myself, because <laughs> I can't comfort myself because, because I somehow am not we ended up okay. in the ghetto. Oh my goodness! And the absolute. And like, it's crazy to see. Like, I remember when I used to watch. Um, what is his show? Uh, how to no, not how to be a millionaire. The, oh, apprentice. The, the Apprentice. I remember watching oh The Apprentice and seeing people like Amarosa and seeing all these different. I remember oh. seeing all that and thinking to myself, this motherfucker is crazy. He's, out of, He's out of control. And I remember thinking to myself, man, that's nuts. And then he would like disappear and then he would like come back out for something. And I was it, like the Trump in the um university where he was like taking people Trump money. Trump University? Yeah. Girl. So I was like, man, this person is crazy. But I'm like looking. But you know what? That's but probably he, how. And, you, and we pay him no mind because that's Hollywood. People just be you crazy. Know what? They do weird things. And then all of a sudden, he woke up in the future and he was the president. And he was the president. And you know what's crazy? <laughs> that that's probably how the people, like the people who are not a Hitler supporter, that's probably how they felt like Hitler was. They probably saw him like, oh, oh that's he's crazy. just kind of crazy. Right, yeah. right. Oh, he's just a little bit of crazy. And then he was like, hang time, and they <laughs> they were like, whoa. They how did we get to like, this point? No, gee, they looked and they were like, wait. And I hope that the people how who voted for Trump, right? I don't know where, because they be silent. Yes. So I hope that the people who voted for Trump the first time, I hope that they're having this moment where they're looking at what's happening now and they're like, what? That was a bad decision. This I hope man has never had a job before. Never. Because he's been rich his whole life. And then tries to talk down to the poor whites of poor America. But those are his biggest supporters. Oh, biggest can't supporters. All right, right. So, no, we just have to we stop. Have to we go. have to continue. We have we to can't. Go. Because I just, dear <sighs> farmers and dear like rural America who are like super Trump supporters. Those who don't understand, because I'm sure maybe, hopefully, there's about seven of you who do. But for your counterparts who live in your in your in your towns that have 315 people, 75 people, 216, one high school, one high school, the middle school. Let me give you a tidbit about um, what happened back in the day. So when the slaves were 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 set free, they were like, "Oh dang, these people are poor, just like y'all." And y'all might identify. So people started telling you that you are better. Let me just tell you, you're all right. You're cool. You're dandy. But you're not better than anybody. 
we're we're all in this together. Literally, that's why people. We are all poor together. We are all poor together. The poorest must all unite. That's what I'm saying. We all <laughs> have to come together. And I promise you, like I'm funny a little bit. Chloe's funny a little bit. You know those black people that you're trying to lynch and and mean bug and stuff in the streets. Some of those motherfuckers are cool. So if you could just give them a chance and like try to understand that that's why some of your daughters and sons are procreating with us. <laughs> if we can just all get to a point where we understand that there's, we can be unified, we can all be dope together. Don't you want to be dope with us? Don't be against us. Be dope with us. I think that's a good. I think note. that's a good place. Yes. Be dope with be us. Be dope together. That's my t- look. If I had to lead a protest, that's what I would say. Be, be dope, dope with us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. That is the third block of the Chloe and Ellie show. Go to lunch. <laughs> Have a good, good rest of your day. Your day, yeah. Go off campus, get some lunch. Make sure you're back by fourth period, though. Don't go too far. <laughs> we'll see y'all next time. All right, y'all. Peace. It's the car.